Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. If I uh, haven't met you yet, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Revo. Big shout out to everybody watching online. We're celebrating communion today, so if you're at home right now, we give you a few minutes to go find some crackers and juice or whatever you have in your house so that you can celebrate with us. Um, but I, I am, uh, when I read the Bible, I am surprised by how many significant events happened in Jesus' life that were centered around a meal or a dinner table. This is my kind of guy right here. I love Jesus for that. You know, Jesus' first miracle, uh, he was sitting at a table uh, at a wedding. And on behalf of the catering team, his mother came up to him and said, Jesus, they have run out of wine. And uh, Jesus said something along the lines of, not my problem. And, uh, but then he realized he was talking to his mom, and so he, he just made water turn out into wine. Uh, so, cool, interesting that, that that happened around a table, around a meal. Uh, one of the only miracles that Jesus did that's recorded in uh, all four of the Gospels was around a meal. It was the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, 5,000 people, Jesus said, let's sit down at a table together in this big field and let's enjoy a meal. And the disciples were like, we got no food. Only thing we found is this one boy, he's got a filet of fish sandwich. How are you going to do that? And Jesus turns it into a buffet with leftovers all around a meal, all, all around, around the table. Jesus was leaning back, reclining at the dinner table one night after enjoying a great meal with all his family and friends when all of a sudden a, a woman named Mary walks in. And right there at the dinner table, right there where Jesus is just leaning back, just thinking about how great that meal was and enjoying time with his friends, she breaks open this very expensive bottle of perfume and pours it out on Jesus' feet as an act of worship. All of that happened around a meal and around a, a dinner table. It's interesting that the times where Jesus was the most criticized in his ministry and throughout scriptures was by the religious people who, when Jesus uh, would, would hang out with certain people, they, they didn't have a problem with him uh, when he was hanging out with tax collectors that were known to be financial cheats. Uh, they didn't have a problem when he was just simply showing compassion to prostitutes and people that were, were, were down and far from God. They didn't have a problem with that. They didn't have a problem with Jesus being with sinners. The big issue, the major complaint they had was when Jesus would go and go to their homes and enjoy a meal. Sit around the table because that was a sign of intimacy. It was a sign of connection and relationship. And they just could not fathom the fact that, that Jesus, being who he says he was, would actually go and sit down with a meal at a tax collector's house. Obviously, he doesn't know who this, this person is if he thinks he can be friends with sinners. The, the, the concept of a, a meal knowing the power and the significance and the meaning behind a meal. It's, it's, it's no wonder that Jesus' last night before he was arrested, he turns to his disciples and says, I want you to go into Jerusalem and I want you to go into town and find a, a private room on the second floor and we're going we're gonna to do a big meal together. We're going to call it the, the Lord's Supper, the, the Last Supper. 
just so that they could share that intimate time. That's a meal that would be repeated and remembered by followers of Jesus for thousands of years. And it all started out when Jesus said, let's, let's go and rent a private room and sit at the table and I want you guys to, to pull up a chair and enjoy it together. In, in Acts chapter 2, just months or weeks uh, after Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, Acts chapter 2 tells us that followers of Jesus, the very first church, this small group of people that were, were called Christians, would gather every day. And verse 42 through 47 says they would gather in their homes, and every time they would get together, they would share a meal. So the birth of the Southern Baptists right there, it sounds like, always having the potluck, always having some casseroles out on the table. And they're gathering together, and it says when they were around the table, they would, they would break bread, and they would take the cup and remember what Jesus had, had, had done for them. And so I want to do that today, fast forward to 2,000 years later, and As we take communion, this meal has significance for us. Even like it had for the first church there in Acts chapter 2. I I want this morning to invite you to pull up a chair. I want want you to pull up a chair to a couple of different tables that Jesus invites us to when we we think about communion. The Apostle Paul wrote uh, extensively about this idea of the Lord's Supper and gathering around the table in the book of 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 10, 11, and 12. He continues to go back to it and talks about what it means for us. And, and, he, and, he, and he includes this phrase about it. When I, when I introduce you to the first table, the first seat that I want to invite you to pull a chair up to is, is this. He says in chapter 12, he says, now, now you are the body of Christ. Followers of Jesus, you are the body. Maybe you've heard that analogy before that all followers of Jesus are like a, a part of a big body of Christ. So there is a, a big body here that we're talking about, but he, but he finishes it with this. And he says, and you're individual members of it. So I understand we're in a room with a lot of people, but in this room they're made up of individuals that have come together. First of all, communion means a, a table for, for two. That's the first table that, that Jesus invites us to, to come up to. A, a table for, for two is an intimate setting. Right? You, go in, you go into a restaurant. When I, when I go out to eat with my wife and we get a table for two, it's a very different setting than when I go out with my wife and my two daughters at a table of four. I mean, everything is different about it. The place that we go is different. The food that they serve is different. The ambiance is very different. The clothes that we wear is different. The food that we order, like everything about it is different. When, when, when we go just a table for two, we'll go to a nicer restaurant. And the way that, that the girls in, in my house, sometimes my youngest daughter will, will say, I can tell it's a nice restaurant if there's a tablecloth on the table, right? There's not paper menus, Maybe a, a table for two uh, includes setting the ambiance. You, you light a candle in the middle of it because the table for two is, is intimate, right? It's, it's just you and, and one other person, you and your spouse or you and a, and a, and a close friend. It's, it's a way that people can connect on a deeper level, a more intimate level. When you go in and you want a table for two, you don't, you don't go to a place where the music is blaring and there's big TVs hanging over all of the bars and you, you can't even hear what the person that is saying across from you. Like that's a different setting, that's a, a, a big group setting. But oftentimes when people go out and they, and they go up to the hostess and say, yeah, we, we want a table for two, they want privacy. 
we, we want to be in the corner of the restaurant where there's no distractions, where we can just have a conversation. We can talk about the things that are on our minds and that, that are on our, our hearts. That's what a, a couple does when they go out on a date for, for two. It's a, it's a time to rekindle the connection between two people. To, to rekindle the, the relationship and to nurture that. It's interesting that even in a restaurant filled with maybe hundreds of other people, when you get a table for two, you, you just want to feel like you're alone. That's why some restaurants, the booths will have big walls in between them and big chairs with big backs that, that when you're sitting at that table, I know you're not the only one in the restaurant, but it makes you feel like you're the only one. The conversation is, is, is different around that. And so Paul helps us to understand what it's like to be invited to take a seat at a table for, for two. And this table for two is you and Jesus. That's what the invitation to communion is. A time for you to have a conversation with the God that loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for, for your sins. Here's what Paul continues in, in chapter 11. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which I have given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. See, when you're at a, a, a table for two, the conversation is more intentional. You know, when you go out with a group of friends, you can rely on your friends to kind of carry the conversation a little bit. And if there's a, a lull or a dull moment, like we, we can talk about things as a group, but, but when you're with just one other person, the language becomes very intentional. Uh, the, the, the dialogue and the subjects. And so Paul tells us, he says, when you get invited to this table for two between you and Jesus, here are some things that I want you to think about. Some things to remember. When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, remember what? Well, Paul lays it out. That conversation, when you're at a table for two, it's a reminder that Jesus died for your sins. Not just like capital S sins, like the sins of the world, which he did, but there's a realization that included in the mass sins of the world is you and your sins and your shortcomings. And God died, sent his son to die for, for you. And when we talk about salvation bringing freedom to those that believe in Jesus, I'm not talking about just like freedom from point A to point B, and anybody that comes in between, we're talking about your freedom, my freedom. For God so loved Nathan that he sent Jesus, his son, to die for, for my sins, the sins that I've committed, the things that I've done in opposition to sever the relationship between me and God. God reconciled those things. It's very personal. I think sometimes when we think about communion, we can think this is something that we do as a church, and we've only done it in this room, and we only do it when we're all together, and it's a big corporate event. I, I asked a few people at the earlier service and, and asked them, have you ever taken communion outside of a church setting, like being in here? And a couple of them mentioned that they had to during COVID when we were all online. But, but maybe that's what you think. 
that this meal is, is only a meal that groups of people do together. And it's really easy to get caught up in the, the, the largeness of the room and the amount of people that are, that are in here. And it's quick to forget that Jesus Christ died for your sins and the price was paid for your freedom. And Jesus Christ died for, for, for you and for me. It's very very personal decision, a very personal act that God has given us. Paul continues, he says, for, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. If you realize that communion was a table for two, you and Jesus, what would you talk about if you had the opportunity to enjoy a meal with Jesus today? What would the conversation be around? Well, Jesus tells us these, Paul tells us these things in, in 1 Corinthians. There are some things that, that we can remember because there's a possibility, like you've probably done this before with family members of yours, you can actually be present in the room, sitting at the table, but mentally you can be checked out. You can be at a table for two with your spouse, but your mind can be on work or it can be on whatever's on TV behind them or it can be on whatever the next day holds or worries or cares or what's the score of the game. You can be in the room at the table, but be distant. And Paul here says, don't let that be the case when you have a table for two during communion. Like be present. Understand what this is all about. Understand why you're here and, and why we do these things. Paul gives us, he's like, yeah, I, I want to give you some, some talking points. You want to know what you should think about? You want to know what it's like to sit one-on-one -on -one with Jesus at this table, that chair that he invites you to pull up? The first thing you remember is you remember what Jesus has done for you in the past. He says, every time you do this, think about the sacrifice of Jesus. Not only that, I want you to be aware that Paul says that God's presence lives in you right now. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, God sends his spirit to the earth that if you would just believe in him, now the spirit of God dwells in you. Not like just in some random space floating in the room, but dwells in you as a follower of Jesus. Remember that. Remember that power. And finally, Paul says, I want you to remember every time you do this, we've got to remind ourselves that that. Jesus did this 2,000 years ago, but he promised that one day he would return. And when we take this meal and remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave, we remind ourselves, man, like there is a second coming. Like Jesus is coming back and we will celebrate together again one day. Remember what Jesus has done. Remember that God is with you now. And remember that Jesus is coming back. And let that be a part of the conversation, a, a table forward for two. But it's not just a table for two. Jesus gives us that opportunity to, to pull a chair up, but it's also a table for, for all. A, a table for all. I mean, imagine not just a, a, an intimate table like this, but, but a big banquet table with enough seats for anyone that would believe in Christ to be given the invitation to, to pull up a chair. Anyone, doesn't, doesn't matter who you are, what, what color you are, what your social economic background is, this banquet table is a huge unifier. That no matter how different we are, actually as followers of Jesus, we have more in common. We're, we're part of a family. That's what we call it, Reva, we call it a, a faith family. 
that we would all be welcomed around this table to celebrate this meal that Jesus has for us. In fact, the, the very definition of communion means you, you can't do it alone. It means uh, common and communication. It's a, it's a connection that we have with people. You, you can't have something in common just with yourself. <laughs> you share things in common with other people. And Jesus paints that picture of what it would be like for the church to have something in common. And every time they gather, they would get together and they would remember something as significant as this event. So it's a table for one, but also a table for all. Here's how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, because there's one loaf, one loaf of bread, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. The message paraphrase says it like this, because there is one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. <laughs> like I understand that there are many individuals in the room, many individuals watching online, but as a follower of Jesus, the many individuals come together and make one. It's one family, united around one mission, pushing towards one purpose and direction. It's like when a family gets together to celebrate. When you celebrate a birthday, whoever the birthday boy or the birthday girl is, whoever the holiday is centered around, they get to pick the meal, right? It's whatever your favorite meal is, whatever your favorite restaurant is. I remember that was what it was like was growing up. My dad, on our birthdays, he would say, whatever restaurant you want to go to, I'll take you out for your birthday. Whatever your favorite is. It doesn't matter if the rest of the family hates it. It's your birthday, you get to choose. And whatever cake you want, and, and, and around a birthday, you invite family and friends. The ones that are connected to you are all around the table. And what do you do? You sing happy birthday to them. You sing songs about the special occasions, and, and you laugh and have a good time. You share stories about what's happened over the past year and the relationship that you have with that person. And it's the same thing we've done today. What do we do? We come in all united around this one person named Jesus. And we sing songs that are all about Jesus, pointing people towards Jesus, recognizing Jesus, celebrating Jesus. And, and, and in the family, we get to connect with, with things because of what God has done in our life. It's what we have in common. It's what unites us all and pulls us all together. It's not just a table for two, but a, but a table for, for many and so today, I want to invite you to two tables. We're going to do things a, a little bit differently. The last few times that we've celebrated communion together as a church, there's, there's been cups uh, right there in your seat, and, and you just picked it up in front of you, and it was just kind of a one-on-one -on -one thing that you enjoyed. But, but today, what we did is uh, all around the room, tables in the back, tables here in the front, tables in the balcony, we have uh, these, these cups set up for you. And in a moment, I want to ask you to stand and, and you can begin to move towards whatever table is closest to you. And I want it to be a reminder to you that maybe as you stand shoulder to shoulder with someone, you, you stand in line, you see a lot of different hands coming up over the table. I want, to, I want it to serve as a reminder that, that you're getting up and going to a table for many a table that anyone is given an opportunity to pull up a chair if they would simply believe in Jesus. That they would believe in his death, burial, and resurrection that would welcome them into the family. And Jesus said, hey, pull up a chair. I hope as you move around the room, it's a, a reminder, almost a sense of encouragement to you. 
that you're not in this journey by yourself. That you're surrounded with people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Churches all around the world today are celebrating communion just like you are. It's a, it's a table for, for many. But then what I want to ask you to do is to, to take that cup and to take it back to your seat. And the band's going to come up in a moment and, and going to leave us, lead us in a time of reflection and in a song. But that'll be the time where you get to connect one-on-one with God, a, a table for, for two. To have an intimate conversation and before we take the elements together, a time for us to, to think and focus on the goodness of God and the personal meaning that it has in our hearts and in our lives. It's a table for, for two. I want to invite you to seat, a place where you and Jesus can fellowship in remembrance of all that he's done for you. A time where you can stop and make it personal, the benefits of your salvation, your sins forgiven, his body broken for you, your freedom secured through his sacrifice. But also a table for many, where natural barriers between us that exist in culture all fade away, where we're united by our relationship with Jesus and by what he's done for us. A reminder that all around the room and all around the world, millions of Christians are celebrating as a part of the same family this incredible act of sacrifice and service by Jesus. So let me pray for us, and in in a moment I want to ask you to stand and, and make your way as a family to the table. God, thanks for the the reminder of this meal. Thanks for the significance of the invitation that you give us to to pull a chair up, to enjoy a relationship not only with you that was made possible through Jesus' death on the cross, but also to enjoy a relationship with followers of Jesus all over the world, united around what you have done for us, united around this love that you've shown, your desire to reconcile the relationship between God and man. God, over these next few moments, help us to have a real, true, personal encounter with you as we remember the great sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross for us. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.